We're going to continue our series called If. We got one more week after this talking about if. There are 1776 ifs in this particular version of the Bible. And uh, we've been looking at some of them because one of the things that's important to understand in our walk with Christ is that God loves us unconditionally. He is always going to care about us. He is always going to have a heart for us. But if we do things one way, he'll respond a particular way. If we do things another way, he'll respond another way. The promises of God are largely conditional based on what we do. If I'm walking by faith, I can believe God to intervene in my life a particular way. If I'm walking in unbelief, it's going to be different. If I'm walking in obedience to what God has shown me to do, then I can expect God to treat me a particular way. If I'm walking in rebellion against God, then I can expect different things. And so it's important for us to realize that we play a very significant role in grabbing hold of the promises of God. If we just sit back and say, well, God and his timing is going to take care of all my needs and we don't even look at what our part of the of the picture is, then we're going to set ourselves up for disappointment because we're the ones that need to apprehend, grab hold of the promises of God. And so we've been talking about that over the last several weeks. Last week, uh, we talked about a very famous uh, quotation from Jesus, which is the truth will set you free. Jesus said that it's recorded in the gospel of John, but that's not the only thing he said. It was an important uh, progression that was there. So we looked at John 8, 31 and 32, starting in verse 31 to the Jews who had believed him. So Jesus was talking to people who were on board. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. So if you hold to, if you do the teaching, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's not if you've heard the teaching then you've heard the truth and the truth will set you free. It's if you hear the teaching and then you put it into practice, that practical experience will show you things and you will learn things and then that knowledge of the truth will set you free. Not the theoretical knowledge of the truth, but the practical knowledge of the truth will set you free. You will get the tools to be able to move forward in your life. Because I want to be free. I don't want to be bound. And so that means I don't just listen to the word and not do it and deceive myself, but listen to the word and do it. Then you learn some things. We talked about a variety of examples like tithing and loving other people and abiding in the vine and even uh, doing uh, religious things like receiving communion. It was communion Sunday last week. So we received communion and talked about that. Doing that and remembering what Jesus has done and keeping that big picture in our minds. There's lots of things that this progression applies to. So again, it's, it's hear the word, you know, read the word, however you come into contact with the word of God. Then the next thing is to do it. 
Too many people skip that one. We have, if you don't do it, you're not going to know it. And then you're not going to be free. So it's hear, do, know, and free. That's the progression. Like, for example, uh, we could do that with regards to worship. I was at uh, Journey Christian Church on Friday night for the men's thing. Yeah, that was super awesome. I don't know how many people went on Saturday. I, laid low. I like to lay low on Saturday. So got church Saturday night, got to hang out and pray and, and get ready for church and everything. But um, just good stuff. And the guy, one of the guys that spoke on Friday night said, the command in the Bible that's in there the most is to praise God. To praise and worship God is in there like 350, I don't know how, it's like lots and lots of times it's in there. And so, what does it mean to praise and worship God? Well, there's lots of different ways to do that, but if you don't know what it's like to worship God with an open heart and your hands in the air, how are you going to find out what that's like? You're going to have to do it. You know, having a, having a discussion with people about it doesn't help. Just go ahead and do it. Let's find out. If you want to know what it's like in your heart to have done daily devotions for six months, what does that do to your heart? Well, you're not going to know unless you do your devotions for six months. Then you'll know the heart change that comes from that. But just talking about it and thinking, well, wouldn't that be nice? Then you don't learn it. So we have to put these things into practice to find out what's really going on. And last week we talked about loving one another as one of the important things that we need to put into practice. And I want to dig in a little bit deeper into that this morning. Let's read those verses and then we'll pray. John 13, 34 and 35. We read these last week, but hugely, hugely important things. And we're going to, again, we're going to go in a little bit deeper here because there are things we need to do so that we can learn so that we can be free. And let's read these two verses, 34 and 35. Jesus says at the Last Supper, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. How has Jesus loved you? Unconditional love, how much patience? How much like, you know what, let's not worry about that. Let's go forward now. How much of that? How much forgiveness? Oh man, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And Jesus says the the outside world will notice. If you love each other, the world will see. Now, I'm not sure that's what the world has always seen. Is, boy, those Christians, they sure do love one another. Is that the first thing that comes to the mind of people who who have never been to church? Probably not. Let's pray. Let's dig into this a little bit deeper. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your holy scriptures. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Father, that you don't leave us down here to wander around, do the best we can, but you guide us by your spirit and you guide us by your word. Lord, help us to see what you've got for us today. Lord, each one of us needs something a little different. We're dealing with different things. We're walking through different struggles. We're just in different places. And so, Lord, I pray that you would touch each one of us by your spirit with what we need this morning. You can do that. 
So let it be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 All right. Normally, I try to get one point across. Today, I'm going to try to do two points. Isn't, oh, yeah. So we're, we should send the plate around again because we're going to get, it's double, right? No, I'm just, I'll just, all right, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, but I'm going to tell you what they are ahead of time so that we can be thinking through and, and know where we're going. So here's the two points. Point number one is simply this, that God calls each of us to be part of a loving family. An important core teaching of Christianity is that each one of us is called into a loving family. We are the body of Christ. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Each one of us is called into a loving family. Point number two is this. Effective service to God requires loving others more than you love your spiritual gifts or your role in the church. Effective service to God requires loving others more than you love your spiritual gifts or your role in the church. And so let's talk about these two things in light of some scriptures in the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is a book written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth was fairly messed up. Uh, and they, they had lots of problems, and so Paul is correcting them in a lot of different areas. And the famous love chapter is in 1 Corinthians. It's chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. And Paul is talking about spiritual gifts and tongues and interpretation and prophecy and all kinds of different, you know, you know, fairly out there things. And then he talks about love and then he applies the spiritual gift stuff in chapter 14. So let's look at chapter 13. We're going to read through it. It's a short chapter, but there's amazing, beautiful things in there. Let's take a look at this and see if we can't get the heart of God towards loving other people, loving each other inside the church. So we're going to start with the last verse of chapter 12 because it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 12, 31. But eagerly desire the greater gifts and now I will show you the most excellent way. Do we want to know the most excellent way? How about we find that? You know, good enough, you know, maybe all right, C minus. You know, how about the most excellent way? Most excellent, right. You can even do that with the old, like, dude. You can say that. Most excellent, dude. You can do that at the end of it. First, first Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels. So this is what he was just talking about in chapter 12. He's talking about tongues, interpretation, prophecy, all this stuff. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging symbol. 
If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. Is the Bible true? Can you have faith that moves mountains and be nothing? We don't want to be there, do we? Let's look at the next one, verse 3. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Is it possible to give everything you have to the poor and have that matter nothing to God? Ask Ananias and Sapphira how much you can give and have it not work out if you have a wrong heart. Acts chapter 5, if you want that information. Let's keep going. Verse 4. The description of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Will I be a preacher in heaven? No. Because there won't be preachers in heaven. Because now we know in part, then we'll know fully. I won't need to explain the Bible to anybody because there won't be a need for preachers in heaven. There will be a need for worship leaders in heaven because we'll continue to worship God, but there won't be preachers. There you go. That stuff will pass away. Will there be prophets in heaven? No. There's no need for prophecy in heaven. That's, that's for this world. That stuff will pass away. Now, how about love? Will there be love in heaven? Yeah. So when we build a relationship with someone on this earth, can we take that with us to heaven? Absolutely. We can bring that bond with us. Love never fails. I won't be a preacher in heaven, but I'll be your brother. Amen? That connection will still be there. And we'll have more history than all those other people in heaven that we're getting to meet that are awesome. And that'll be fabulous. But we'll bring something special with us. Because love never fails. Verse 9. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Faith hope, and love. Those are three big things. If we can walk in faith, and we can walk in hope, and we can walk in love, 
we're getting somewhere. And the Bible says the greatest of these is love. Amazing stuff. So let's look at this first point. God calls each of us to be part of a loving family. We are called to go through this life together, to have a support system, to have brothers and sisters who accept us and help us grow, who are there for us. It's part of God's plan that we are called into a loving family. Let's read 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. This is the... the Chapter, I'm sorry, verse 7 talks about if we walk in the light as he is in the light. You know, there's song lyrics like that, quoting that verse. And it's an amazing thing what, the, uh, what it is that shows that we walk in the light. So let's look. Verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. Would you agree with that? If the behavior and the heart behind someone shows that they're not in line with God, they're not walking with God. If the primary thing is is harsh anger and darkness, that's not someone who is connected with God and is walking with God. We lie and do not live by the truth. Verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The first thing that John says, if we're walking in the light, if we're connected with God, if we're there with God, we'll be connected with each other. Is that what you would have thought? You know, I wonder if if we put a little like test out there and, you know, we, we ask people, okay, if you were to walk in the light, just like Christ, what would that show? What would the characteristic of that be? What would the first thing you think of be? How many people would say we have fellowship with one another? Very few. Because we have a personal relationship with Jesus. And so I'm trying to clean my life up and I'm trying to relate to God right, but I don't... I'm speaking from a Western, you know, American Christian perspective. We don't see it as well, that means that I need to treat this person, that I need to step into fellowship with people, that I need to become part of the body of Christ. I need to do my role. I need to love other people and be part of a network of people that are connected and encouraging each other and trying to fight through this thing together and are sharing resources so that we can see greater success. That's not the first thing that comes to mind. It's, it's my sin and my connection with God. Well, if we're walking in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. It's the first thing that John says. It's amazing. He's saying if you walk in the light as Christ is in the light, you become part of a loving family. I don't think that gets enough play. We'll maybe mention that a few more times around these places, you know. Probably probably bring that up a few times. We are brought into a loving family. Now, 
This is 1 Corinthians. Well, this is 1 John. But we're in 1 Corinthians, chapter 13, the love chapter. Can that be taken too far? Can love be taken too far? I don't think love can be taken too far, but I think this concept can be taken too far. Let's read, because it's always fun to read things that seem very different from what you just read. Let's read from 1 Corinthians chapter 5. So we've got 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is patient, love is kind, love never fails. And we've got 1 Corinthians chapter 5, which has a little bit different feel. Same author to the same church, the same sitting, the same message. It's like like would be during the same sermon. It's in the same letter. Let's go to chapter 5, 1 Corinthians, starting in verse 9 and going to verse 13. I've written you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy or, and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I am writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. With such a man do not even eat. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked man from among you. Love never fails. Love is patient. Love is kind. It keeps no record of wrongs. Well, but this is the same. I'm like, you know, like what? So could it be that there's more to it than just reading one chapter. We have to read the whole book. We have to understand the entire context. Well, what's going on here? Well, there's an overall goal in mind. And that overall goal is to serve God and to advance God's kingdom and to bring the kingdom of light into this world to overcome the kingdom of darkness. And so we're called to be productive. We're called to grow personally, individually. We're called to grow as a group. And we're called to to bring the light of Christ to the whole world. Rescue people from eternal damnation. Bring people into a life-giving relationship with God. We have a purpose. And there's love that is the enabler type of love that hampers personal growth. Have you seen that type of love in the world? Where the classic example is the kid whose parent solves every problem for them provides all the money they need to ruin their life. You know, they get in trouble at school, so they make sure that the people at school realize that the kid never did anything wrong. And and they're always defending the kid, and they don't let them learn the lessons of life because they take away the consequences of the bad behaviors. And so then when those consequences are taken away, the bad behaviors continue, and that's enabling. It's a codependent, enabling relationship, and usually it's because you love the person and you want to help them. 
But that love is messed up and it ends up hurting them because it just creates that codependent enabler type relationship. Now ask, I want to ask you this, is Jesus a codependent enabler? No! Should the church be a codependent enabler? No. So that's one ditch, one overemphasis. Should the church be a demanding, shame-based, you better produce right now, or what good are you? Is that where we should be? You know, there are people that have a 1 Corinthians chapter 13 personality. I just love you. I don't care. Go give me a hug. There are people that have a 1 Corinthians chapter 5 personality. You know, like, you're just never good enough. I'm never satisfied. You know, like, let's, this is ridiculous. They just always want to judge the church, you know. They always want, they're finding fault with everything. People have personalities. But guess what? Chapter 5 and chapter 13, they're in the same book. They're both true. One of the things that was interesting about chapter 13 is it says that love protects. And how do you protect organizationally. You have to make sure that the dangers that come in are taken care of. And this expel the immoral brother thing from chapter 5, it was somebody who was doing something pretty crazy and it wasn't expel half of the church, it was one person. You know, it wasn't expel everybody because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we're all expelled. You know, that would be taking that way too far. This was, there's sin in the camp. It's hurting people. It's messing people up. You've got to deal with that because we need to grow. We need to get somewhere. We need to become followers of God. And this is ruining it. So don't let that person ruin it for everybody else. That's chapter 5. But guess what? For the vast majority of people that aren't ruining it for everybody else, we're all imperfect. So we need some patience. We need people to help us through. We need people to encourage us to get better in a safe environment. So we're called to a loving family, not a codependent enabler loving family, not a shame-based, you better produce right now and, you know, all about that type of family but one where it's the type of love that God has which brings you up into being stronger, brings you up into victory, brings you up into conquering the things that are pulling you down because you've got a support system around you that can help you. When you're feeling weak, you've got someone strong you can call because you are in a loving family. What if we got this right? What if we weren't in the the shame-based ditch of always pointing fingers and we weren't in the enabler ditch, but we were interconnected, loving one another, strengthening each other, building each other up, and all of us getting stronger day by day, month by month, year by year? Wouldn't that be something? How rare is that? How rare is it for Christian people to come together and do this vitally important part of Christianity. 
It's extremely rare. Let's put it into practice and learn how it works and get better and better at it. You know, let's just not come, you know, sit through. Oh, that guy talks, it's sort of okay, and I go home. You know, like, let's be part of the us. Let's love each other. We're called to be part of a loving family. Part two. Effective service to God requires loving others more than you love your spiritual gifts or your role in the church. When we went through 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, there were lots of examples of amazing service to God. Fathoming all mysteries and faith that moves mountains and speaking in the tongues of angels and like amazing stuff. But it was all followed by if you don't love, it doesn't count. You're just making noise. You're nothing. I've seen people called to significant service to God. You know, I mean, all of us are called to serve God. Some of us have, you know, like, Go to church and be an usher and that sort of thing. Other people are moved to Syria. (laughs) You know, uh, there's different roles for different people. I've seen people who are called to significant roles, but they can never attain to it because they love their gifting more than they love people. They want a role more than they care about people. And so it stops it from being effective. If somebody gives a prophetic word and you can tell that they just want to be the center of attention for a period of time, is that, if you've you've felt that, and you're like, and it's icky, right? Well, that person's not going to progress very far because it's not going to bear fruit. The, uh, you know, I love our worship teams. If, but have you seen a, a worship where it's about, oh, I sure am awesome. I sure love to sing and I am the greatest singer in the history of the world. And I just want somewhere to sing. So, yeah. Well, that's not going to bring somebody into being a worship leader because you have to love people. I became a preacher, boy, a long time ago. It's been 16 years now of being Pastor Mike, but I used to preach for the dude at the church because I was going to a church where the pastor was like super depressed and burnt out. He'd call me on Saturday night and he'd be like, can you preach tomorrow? Like, I got nothing. I'm like, you, you got it, man. Woo! That was great. I loved it. I'm like, yeah. And uh, so I'd, I'd preach. But I'm an extreme introvert. People are very surprised when I tell them that. But like on the introvert scale, uh, I got like, I'm about the same as my middle kid, Seth. He got a 97 on the introvert scale. That's right up there, you know, from zero to 100. He's 97% introvert. That's right. And I'm, I'm the same personality as him. Flesh of my flesh. Yeah, my boy. The other two are not nearly that introverted, but um, me and Seth are like that. I have no desire to have people see me. 
if people are looking at me, I feel uncomfortable. Like if I go to Walmart, I don't want somebody to see me. I just want to buy something. You know, like it's just, I don't make noises because I don't want people to hear me. You know? And here I am preaching. You know, so what in the world? Why would a person like that become a preacher? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because there's things in here that people need to know. I don't care if I tell them or somebody else does, but it seems like I'm in the role right now to tell some people about the stuff that's in here. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. Amen. But I got no desire to stand up in front of people and talk. I kind of enjoy it though. You know, to be honest, this is fun. I get to watch people have light bulbs come on and get free. It's glorious and wonderful. I wouldn't trade it for anything. But I believe it's based on on love. Hey, let's take our step forward today. Not, hey, let's think Pastor Mike is really awesome. Who cares? Let's all take a step forward. If we can love each other, then our gifts will not be hindered. You know, Jesus described how to be great in his kingdom. And let's just go ahead and read that. Matthew 20, 25 through 28. The, uh, the disciples were jockeying for position, trying to get better places in the kingdom. And Jesus is mad at them. And he straightens them out in Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 25. Jesus called them together so he has a staff meeting because they're having strife. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercised authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Why did Jesus come to serve? Because he loves us. He wasn't trying to be the big man. There was a moment in time where, this is how I picture it in my head. I don't know that theologically it shakes out, but I see heaven looking at earth and the mess and how it's all fallen apart. And I, I, there's a discussion about what to do. And then Jesus says, I'll go. I'll go there. Because I can help that. I can, I can help that person and that person. I can help that nation. I can help this. So I'll go. Jesus came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many because he loves us. If we're going to serve, it needs to be from love. So here's the last question. 
If we're called into a loving family, not an enabling family, but one where we actually speak the truth in love, not just love with no truth, we actually deal with stuff. If we're called into a loving family, if we're called to serve with love as the core rather than my personal appreciation for my gifting and how awesome I want to be, that sort of thing, then we have to have love in our hearts for that to work. What if we don't have that? You know what I mean? Like seriously. Have you ever had that time where you're just not in there? Well, let me check my heart for love for what? No, not there. (laughs) What do you do? Well, here's the last if of the morning. I'm going to invite the prayer teams up. We're going to pray here in just a second. Um, But here's here's the last if from Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? That wouldn't be very nice. This one's worse. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. What are we having for breakfast? I don't know, but here it is. Like, ah! You know, like, that'd be mean. You go to jail for that sort of thing. We know not to do that. Scrambled eggs, not a live scorpion. Verse 13. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. As we walk through life, we have different things in our heart. We can have bitterness in our heart. We can have anger in our heart. We can have insecurity in our heart. We can have fear in our heart. We can walk around with these things. And the promise of God is that the thing in God's heart we can have in our heart. The Holy Spirit, not a judgmental spirit, not an angry spirit, not a fearful spirit, not an insecure spirit, but the Holy Spirit we can have in us. We can be filled with the Spirit. We can overflow with the Spirit. And it says... How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? But we don't have the love in our hearts that we need. We just need to ask. My father-in-law is a great man of God, mentor to me. Was his stepmom, I think. They didn't get along. Terrible scenario. He asked God because he knew this just wasn't working. He said, show me how much you love her. And he said, as he prayed that, a love for her hit him. He had to quit praying. He had to disengage from God because it was so powerful. He never saw her the same again. But that was a touch from God. And for us to be able to love one another, we need a touch from God. So let's ask. Let's ask together, then I'll close in prayer and invite people up for personal individual prayer. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the promise that if we ask, you will give us the Holy Spirit. You will give us not a spirit of fear, but not a spirit of 
of wrath or judgment, not a spirit of insecurity, not a spirit of condemnation or shame, Lord, but your spirit, a spirit of love, a spirit of victory, a spirit of power. Lord, we ask you for that. Let your spirit overflow in our hearts, each one of us. Lord, push out the darkness in our hearts and pour in your spirit that we may love one another, that we may encourage each other, that we may strengthen and build each other up so that we can stand strong for you. Lord, let it be. Let it be. Hallelujah. Father, I pray a blessing over each person that's in this place. Lord, I pray your peace upon us. Lord, I pray that that life, that everlasting life would well up in us and your light would shine in our hearts so strong that it would overflow into this world. Lord, let it be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.